Well, hello, everyone. We are back to Habakkuk chapter 1, the last part of the chapter, and then just the first verse of chapter 2. I'm sure you've seen that. But last week, just a little review. You know I'm a stickler on review, but we just want to see the flow of this small book, but yet it is very powerful with very relevant lessons for us. We saw last week that Habakkuk started out with, how long are you going to let this go? How long are you going to let these people keep acting like this? They are not seeing. They are not seeing what the kingdom of Israel had happened and believe that that can happen to them. They're not getting it. So when are you going to do something about it? And the Lord's answer came back, oh, you think I don't care? You think I don't see? You think I don't hear? You think I'm not doing anything? came back with the answer, oh, I see, I act, and I'm raising up the solution, except you're not going to believe what it's going to be. And see how relevant that is? In our lives, I think we can all say, we've come to the Lord, why, how long, you know, do something. And he says, oh, yeah, I'm, I've got a timetable going. Um, you're, you're smack dab in the middle of, of where I want you, be, because... Um, you are going to learn that I will act in my time and I will act according to the way I should. See, so often we think that his so-called lack of action or wrong action is according to my perspective and, and my expectations. When I think this little small book of Habakkuk is going to open our eyes to the fact that, oh, God sees, he cares, he, he, he listens, um, he is going to act. He's going to do what he wants when he wants to do it and how. <laughs> and this is where we come in to the lesson today because when, when Habakkuk did find out, and when he heard the gory details of this, the empire of Babylonia, he, and then he, he knew their frame of mind and their, their, their love of, of power and coming in and just conquering nations, and they were, they were just abusive, and well, they're just the worst. They were absolutely the worst, and it was like he was in hold on, hold on. And this is where we go into the second complaint. Verse 12. Oh, Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, we will not die. Oh, Lord, you have appointed them to execute judgment. Oh, Rock, you have ordained them to punish. I pretty much, if I put that in my own words, I would think Habakkuk was saying, how could you do such a thing? How could you do that? Why would you be so severe? Oh, Lord, are you not from everlasting? Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? 
So Habakkuk is questioning the Lord's answers and how he's going to do it. And and why doesn't he understand that? And I had you look at Job 21, verse 7. And the reason why Habakkuk, see, this is what we all have to learn. Habakkuk had to learn. Job had to learn. You have to learn. I have to learn. Why do the wicked live on? Why are they growing old and increasing in power? That's what Job asked in Job 21.7. And it's, again, the same thing that we have been since last September when we started Daniel. When we started hearing how, uh, you know, basically when, when you take a book verse by verse, line by line, like we do, I think we were all absolutely amazed at how the repetition of how God handled paganistic living, the unbeliever, and how it looked like for a time that evil wins. And that's, that's what Job is saying. Why do the wicked live on? It just isn't fair. It seems like they're the ones that are prospering and growing old and increasing in power. This doesn't make sense. It seems like your hand of blessing is on them, and we're the ones trying so hard, and yet we're the ones that are suffering. When that is so totally not the case, the Lord is in in total control of even these wicked empires. They think that they are in charge, and yet we have learned that God is in charge. And even though, like we have said many times, they might be pawns in Satan's hands because God is more powerful than even Satan. We can know that he's got a hand on it all. So the question is is very human. Why? Why would you do something like this? Why does it look like the, the wicked are even gaining more power? And then I asked you from verse 13, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent before the wicked? Swallow up those more righteous than themselves. That word, why, comes up. God, we know you don't like evil. We know you don't tolerate sin. And yet, why do you let it continue? Especially that, why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? Why isn't life fair? Now, my little quick answer to why isn't life fair is we can be very grateful it isn't because we wouldn't have a Savior today. And I think we can pretty much even say that about his children. Life isn't fair because we walk a different road. We have sights on a different place. 
And it isn't this world. Because it's this isn't home. We're just passing through this place. You've heard me say this over and over because it's something I need to keep telling myself that once I've been to the cross, once Jesus has become my Savior, I am not my own anymore. I've been bought with the blood of Christ. And I belong to him. And my life is lived for him. Life isn't fair because the world's way of thinking, the world's direction, the world's definition of good and success is just the opposite of God's definition. We're on two totally different paths. And so, no, life is not going to appear to be fair. And I think that the reason why life isn't fair for the believer is for God to teach us how to trust him. He wants us, because when things happen, I hope that you are learning that the first thing you do is you run to your Bible. You run to him, making sure that that connection is tight and that you are clinging to him. I think that's why the Lord gives us, like last week, a jolt to make sure that we know our place, we are humble before him, we see him in all of his power, his majesty, his glory, and most of all, his love for us. And we believe that he has a plan for his children. And his plan is not to make sure that we're happy and comfortable and life is easy. Sometimes it's just absolutely the opposite. Life isn't fair right in our face sometimes because he wants us to see maybe you are trusting things of this world too much. You know, this this is maybe so trite, but to me it's not, but... I can remember when I started feeling about 10 years ago after singing for 52 years, when I started feeling that there was something wrong, I remember that, you know, for a split second, I, I said the human thing to the Lord. I went to him with my complaint and my whiny attitude. For a split second, I did do that because this isn't fair, Lord. I mean, I've tried to live my life for you. And, and why in the world would you take something away that I was using and that you've given the ability to use why would you take that away from me? And you know, for 10 long years, it, it seems like that question became less and less of an issue. Instead of the why, he has opened my eyes because it, this problem caused me to run to his word to fall before him, to cling to him, to trust him 
Because you know what I, I believe he was saying? I see. I, 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 I'm hearing you. I know that it's hard for you to understand and that it might not be fair in the world's way of looking at things. And even in common reasoning, the way you look at things. But I, the almighty God, I'm up to something. And I am going to teach you that you can trust me and that I will give you exactly what you need when you need it. And it might not be perfect the way you think it should be perfect. There, there might be times that your voice is so weak that they have to really strain to listen. Or you might have to push so hard because it's not coming out. But I'll see to it it comes out. And I'll see to it that they hear what they need to hear. Because it isn't about you. It's about my message. I just need a willing vessel who will trust me. I can, I can remember, I can remember times when I would hear a song and I would think, oh, I used to sing that. But I have to, as sure as I'm standing here today, I do not, I repeat, I do not ever, ever doubt that the Lord knew what he was doing. I think that he does cause us things to wake us up because, you know what, in all honesty, I knew, I thought I was really singing for him. I mean, I've always sung Christian music. But I know, and I'm embarrassed, I'm ashamed to say this, but I know that there were times that I trusted my big voice in my ability, more than I trusted God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes he does have to get right before us and take away the most common sense or the thing that you think you need. and He almost has to take that away or at least make it so that you have nowhere to go but to him, to trust him. So, no, life isn't fair. But I do believe that because God is God and he loves us so much and he wants us pure vessels. He wants us to be open and honest and transparent. That we not only see our sin, but that we see how desperately we need him in everything that we do. So even when, like Habakkuk said, but Lord, this is so severe. Well, when we're not living right, when we're not living right, the thing that I have learned is that when the Lord's got to get stern, when the Lord's got to make us transparent before him, when he wants us transparent in front of people, he wants what you see is what you get that we're not trying to play games, that we could play religion on this day and then we can do what we want on another day when he wants us completely sold out to him and he'll do whatever it takes 
to get us so that we are sold out to him. To me, that's not a mean God. That's a God who loves. This kind of tough discipline, this kind of discipline that Habakkuk is questioning is the same thing that you and I might question when the Lord deals with us. But he only disciplines those that he loves. And sometimes it has to be in such a severe way. <laughs> I thought to myself, well, how can I, how can I not be disciplined? Well, how, how, how can I not have to be punished? It's like what we say to our children, if you obey me, if you listen, if you do what you're told, if you live the way you're supposed to, you won't have near the consequences. Now, I know that there's just life circumstances sometimes. And when we get into Revelation and some of the, there's one church in particular that, that Jesus said, John, write a letter to that they had to go through extreme sufferings and there was really no reason. They didn't have to repent. They weren't doing anything wrong. I know sometimes it's just the way life is. But I'll tell you what, you learn. You learn so much. You learn how to cling. You learn to know how badly you need him and you do not dare make a move without him. And when he shows us lessons, when he teaches, and when he has to discipline, oh, we can be so much better because of it. We can love him so much more because we start starting to understand his love for us. Why did Habakkuk feel so burdened about the way God deals in this horrible way. I mean, because a lot of times it isn't pretty and it, it, it is hurtful. It's just what God knows he needs to do. You know, we talked about this before in the past weeks of Daniel. I went, I went through that, remember that silver being refined? It's so comforting to me now that that in Daniel and now now the study of Habakkuk I, I know I know that I am a piece of silver that he is refining you are a piece of silver that needs to be refined and he knows exactly how hot the fire needs to be and he knows exactly how long the refining has to last. He knows how hot and he knows how long. And remember how that little story went when, when the silversmith was questioned, well, how do you know? He said, well, I'm keeping my eye on that silver all the time. I make sure that it doesn't get too hot, and I make sure it's not in there too long. How do you know I don't take my eyes off it until I finally can see myself 
and that piece of silver. Doesn't that make sense? Isn't that just the greatest? What a way to look at our life when we, we want to complain and whine and it's not fair. And, and God knows how hot, how long, and his eyes are never off us. And he'll let it go until he can see his face in us. When you tell God to do something, what are you down deep expecting? I mean, if we were honest, when we, a lot of times we don't ask or we try to put it into question, but we really don't mean a question. Um, we really mean it as a statement. We want you to do this, and we want it done in our way. So when he when Habakkuk gives him this complaint. Oh, Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, we, we will not die. Oh, Lord, you have appointed them to execute judgment. Oh, Rock, you have ordained them to, them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? You have made men like fish in the sea, like sea creatures that have no ruler. I had to, I, I had to say that I had to think about that a bit, but then I pictured fishermen out in, the, in their boats. and Don't you just love it when a fisherman comes in and he's got a smile bigger than big and they have had a fabulous catch. Haven't you heard some fishermen say, all we had to do is put our line in the water. Every time we put our line in the water, there was a fish. We were catching them at one after the other. And I believe that that's what Habakkuk was saying. The Babylonia conquest, they come into a nation and these nations are like fish that they just throw their line out and they just catch them. They're merciless. They have no ruler. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with the hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them up in his dragnet. And so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet. They take such, they're so greedy, they're, they're so selfish, they're so self-contained. All they care about is themselves and these people, these nations, one after another, they're being hooked in with nothing to say about it. They have really no leader. They have no power anymore. I'm sure Habakkuk was talking about the kingdom of Judah. Do you realize the He's saying to God, do you realize the people that, that are taking over the kingdom of Judah, 
They're the worst of the worst. They're still your people. How can you do this to your people? Use a world empire, a pagan empire. And then look, he's saying, they're just being used. He sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dead for by his net he lives in luxury. They're, they're living off your people. They're able to live so to themselves. They're gluttons because of your people. I think Habakkuk, he still cannot believe it. And they enjoy the choices, food. Is he to keep on emptying his net? Do something about this. Is this empire supposed to just continue on? Destroying nations without mercy? See, that's, that's what the people thought in Daniel's day. It just seemed like it was that evil won and they have no hope. And then they're reminded, they're reminded by Daniel that Jeremiah told them that after 70 years, I will bring you back from where it all started. I will bring you back to the place where you, what you left when you went into exile. I'll bring you back home. See, but Habakkuk doesn't know any of that. He doesn't know it. All he sees is what's right before him. All he sees is what his human eyes are seeing. And what he can fathom in his mind when God tells him that he's raising up Babylon to be able to come and take over the world, even the kingdom of Judah. And he just can't fathom that God has something good in mind. Remember what God said through the prophets? That after 70 years, that's why we kind of called it a time out, because in 70 years, you might wake up. In fact, the plan is that you do wake up. Under such severe conditions, you realize what you've done and to whom you did it. And you will come to your senses and you will acknowledge that I am God. That you will seek me. And I'll see to it that you find me. That the 70 years of captivity, of exile, as severe as it was, but that it will wake you up to who your God is.
and get you back to where you need to be. This is the principle that has been repeated over and over in the Old Testament. So you and I, living in 2022, living in this year, we've got to know that the same promise is ours. As God's children, we know not only where our home is, but who is going to be the ruler of that kingdom, that kingdom that will last forever and ever, that evil does not win. See, it's one thing to be able to look back in history and say, well, they should have trusted God. See, it's easy to look back and say that about them. But you know what? We're living in the same kind of deal right now where it looks like evil wins. But because God hasn't changed, and in our particular study this year, he's repeated it over and over and over again. I think we better sit up and take notice. It's kind of like we say to the Lord in our prayers, oh, God, bless America. Oh, please help America. Our nation is falling farther and far away from you, Lord. Please, please help our nation. Could very well be that the Lord rises up an enemy, an enemy nation, an invasion on our wonderful country. We don't know. I mean, he has done it before. And his whole idea is to wake us up. I know you have a tendency to say, yeah, but I don't mean that. I mean, I don't want an enemy nation to come and invade America. Not, not something. I just want a little slap on the wrist. Oh, does that sound like somebody that you know named Habakkuk? God did that to his children, to the kingdom of Judah. And he could very well do it to us. Sometimes, and I think this was Habakkuk, so-called complaint and sometimes this is our outcry but Lord sometimes sometimes the way you handle the problem is is worse than what we had to begin with that's the way it appears but God knows just how hot, and he knows how long, and he knows what he's got to do. It's kind of like chemotherapy. I can remember someone that I know, when they found out they had cancer, the doctor said to this person, I'm going to have to almost kill you to save your life. You know, sometimes the means 
is worse than the disease. The, the means to, to cure is almost worse than the disease. That's always the way it appears. But what God is saying, whatever happens in this world, know that I'm in charge, that I have a timetable. I know exactly what I'm doing. And that will never change. There will never be an earthly kingdom or an earthly leader that is more powerful than me. There will never be anyone from this earth that will be able to control me. Isn't that comforting? Aren't you just so glad to hear that? As one of his children, as bad as things can get, nothing can change us. We're his child. And that there won't be any earthly happening or power or leader that's more powerful than our God. So the next time I think it's tempting to start complaining or whining, or why, Lord, how long? How come it's so severe? This isn't what I had in mind. I would just suggest a couple things. At least this is what I'm going to do. I'm learning to think first and remember what I've learned, who he is, what he's promised. Think before I open my mouth and start complaining and whining. Because in my years, I have learned that I can trust him through my experiences and through my sufferings. I've learned he knows best. You know, I think another thing we have to do before we start complaining and is not only think before we speak, but make a commitment and say, Lord, I have no idea how this is going to end, but I commit myself again to you. I commit. Because as we close, we're going to do Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. This is what Habakkuk had to finally do. Commit himself to the Lord, even though he didn't understand. He had to commit to his faith, to what he believes. This is kind of an, a challenge too. It might make you take a look at how big is your faith? How much do you really rely on your Bible, believing that it has the answers that you need, that it will give you the strength to keep you on your feet? that will keep you from doubting and then complaining and whining. It will keep you confident and trusting. In fact, it will even help you say, okay, okay. I don't always like it, Lord. I don't always understand you, Lord. 
but I'm going to commit. I'm going to submit. I'm going to apply what I've learned into my everyday living so that I can see how you're transforming me. That I'm not trusting the world and its conditions and its leaders, but I'm trusting you. Look what Habakkuk says. It's like between verse 17 of chapter 1 and verse 1 of chapter 2. I always like looking at what could have happened in that white space? What happened for him to say all these questions and how can you do this and are we just supposed to give up, Lord, and let him keep fishing for us? Are we just supposed to let those Babylonians just keep fishing these nations, and especially your children, your people? We're just supposed to let them take them? Is he to keep on emptying his nets, destroying nations without mercy? And then, happened in that white space. I think something huge. I think it came to his senses. He realized who his God was. Let me just tell you that as gloomy as Habakkuk starts, oh, it ends with such glory. So just hang on. But we've got to see this part first. But I think major change happened in that white space. And I hope you have some white space that you can really think things through. And all of a sudden, your questions and almost your sarcasm and maybe even your shaking your fist in his face changes to Commitment, submission. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. I will stand, I will look. I'll wait. Are you willing to do that? Am I willing to do that? He's always got an answer. We can expect an answer. Don't ever give up. He's got an answer. It might not be your answer. But why would you want any other answer than God's? When we've been taught that God's will is good, it's pleasing, it's perfect. Let's submit to his will. He knows what he's doing. He knows what's best. He knows how hot and how long that that fire's got to be. Until he sees his face.
in us. Heavenly Father, thank you for this chapter one of Habakkuk. It was tremendous. It was eye-opening. It's humbling. It really shows our human nature. Father, you need to keep doing that to us. You need to keep showing us ourself. And that's really true love. Lord, we may in our white space, may we change our questions to surrender. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence. I can daily live. And we pray this all in our Savior's name. Amen.